Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Ernest White II. Before we get to Ernest, I have a few announcements to make. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there and see photos of our guests. You can see stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media, and that is, of course... Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. There's also links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe for free. And as always, I ask, please give us a good rating if you're on there. That helps more people find the show because it boosts our presence. That's a cool thing to do. So if you do that, I would appreciate it. You think you'll be good for the show? You know somebody that'd be good for the show? Well, then write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get to Ernest White II. Ernest is someone I met through our friend Jeanette Seha, who's been amazing at recommending great people for the show. And it turns out Ernest was a great guest. He is a longtime travel writer who has lived in places like the Dominican Republic. He's lived in Brazil. He's lived in South Africa for a while. He's originally from Florida and now makes his home in San Francisco. And now he's got a show coming out on PBS, a travel show called Fly Brother, which is very exciting. And he's going to be talking about it in a minute. So back in early February, he was in town doing some Fly Brother business. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. What are you doing? I'm doing some Fly Brother business. All right. Sounds cool. And while he was in town, he was nice enough to come over and sit down for an interview. Interesting guy. Nice guy. It was a pleasure to talk to him, and I think you'll enjoy listening. Please enjoy my conversation with Ernest White II. Ernest White. The second. The second? Yes. Thank you. Where, how was Ernest White the first? Is he still with us? Or? He is very much with us. Okay. And where is he now? He's uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, with better credit than me. <laughs> so that's the insistence on the... That's why the insistence on the second. <laughs> so you grew up in Jacksonville? I did grow up in Jacksonville. Okay. Yes. Did uh, were, you, were you part of a traveling family? I mean, did you travel a lot? And no, get around? not at all. I mean, we traveled down to Disney World when I was growing up, Yeah. Uh, which at the time in the... 80s and 90s, you know, you could go to Disney World for $21 in the off-season with the Florida resident special. Yeah. My and, sister lives uh, in Sebring. Okay, wow. With her kids, That's yeah. a town I hadn't heard of in a while. Yeah. Nobody um, does. I have to explain it to people. Right. It's like an hour that's, south, it's in the middle, and just... Yeah. In the middle is nowhere to live in Florida. No, that's true. I'm not a fan, but... <laughs> Go ahead. Jacksonville, I haven't spent much time there, actually. What was it like growing up there? Uh, it was very suburban. I would say an equivalent town might be San Jose without the tech scene or right, the right, rest right. of the Bay Area. <laughs> um, because there are cities of comparable size, and actually there are many neighborhoods that look just like neighborhoods in Jacksonville, especially like those cinder block 
mid-century ranch yeah. style houses i kind of grew up in one of those is it like more georgia than florida you think i would say it's definitely a hybrid yeah because what people don't it's not it's Florida's big i mean florida is big and it's not it's old school florida which yeah, is basically yeah. the south on the ocean <laughs> right. um, yeah. it's not jacksonville historically had not had a heavy heavy latin presence mm-hmm. um until very recently uh and so you know, it was a, it's a half hour from Georgia. I mean, I grew up eating grits yeah, and sure. barbecue. It's the and, South. Right, but also crabs. Yeah. Crab legs <laughs> right. and, and, and so and shrimp. Um, it's the maritime South, if right. you will. The, uh, and every so often a hurricane thrown in for good measure. Sure. And Jacksonville <laughs> happens to be in a sweet spot where we really would, ha- we would mi- be missed by most things mm-hmm. uh, to the point that we would have hurricane days where we wouldn't go to school but nothing would ever show up it would right. be birds <laughs> tweeting and sunny yeah <laughs> so uh, so did you how did your family uh, were they originally from there or did they yes, transfer yes. all both around of, both of my parents are from jacksonville um they are educators they oh, okay. retired my mother taught for 42 years my dad for a full wow. 30 and um they just prided themselves on making sure we Stuck to the books. Uh, we always had, and they—they, they, I would say, the biggest thing that I, I love about my parents is the fact that they stoked my creative fires, and many of them had to do with culture, geography, languages. Um, they allowed me to do a study abroad when I was 16 years old to Sweden. Wow, Sweden! Yeah, back in okay. the, the mid '90s. Of all, so you were an exchange student. I was an, I, I was, but it was only for the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Okay, so. well, in Stockholm? Or was I no, I was actually in a town in the far north of Sweden, Ronio. Wow, which is 30 minutes outside of Luleå. You went off the grid. Really, I did actually. Yes, <laughs> wow. um, it was during a summer, so you know, sunny twenty four hours a day, yeah. or like the sun might have dipped under the horizon for an hour. There were mosquitoes. Um, yeah, so mosquitoes, lots of sunshine, and marshy. Yeah, it was Florida, pretty much. How did what, what was the. Uh... Was it like so? If there wasn't any school involved, it was just like a, a cultural exchange. You exactly. Gonna, okay. Yeah. I uh, I stayed with a host family that had a couple of teenage daughters who were a few years older than me. Twins. Okay. And books um, have been written about stuff like this. I, well, I was <laughs> definitely a nerd, and uh, there was nothing debaucherous. That's like the start of all. a few jokes. And, I'm I'm sure, but <laughs> farmers' daughters with uh, in Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not that exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you do all day? A lot of reading. And, was this pre uh, like internet and pre? Like, it, well, it was nineteen ninety four. So yes, yeah. Wow. I mean, we watched movies and went into town. We took the bus <laughs> to to Luleå, whose most famous resident at the time had been Maude Adams. Oh, yes, I'm of that age. Yeah, I yeah, remember. I know Maude Adams, Bond right. girl, right? She yes, was, yeah, sure. Okay, I'm not gonna say the name of the film. Yeah, oh yeah, so, Octo. Uh, <laughs> moving right. on, and uh, basically she, um, you know, she, she left. Yeah, right. right. And um, no shade on Luleå. No, it was yeah, a nice yeah. town. but it's uh, a small town. It was a small town, and I was from a medium-sized town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, it was an, an amazing experience nonetheless. And I did get to spend a week in Stockholm before coming back to the U.S. So was that like your first trip out of the country? That was my first trip to a place that was not the Bahamas. Yeah, okay. Which is pretty much Florida's yeah, 67th sure. county. <laughs> Florida South. Yes. Um, so... Do you think that might have sparked you and uh, to pursue like 
travel oh, is absolutely. a bit. Totally. Um, I mean, as I mentioned before, geography was always, it was always my favorite subject. Uh, I loved looking at flags and costumes <laughs> of the world and, uh, you know, just so many different, anything that had to do with anything international or languages or, right. um, you know, I remember watching my first Almodovar movie oh, you know, yeah. on the verge Spain. of a nervous breakdown Oops. back when I was, I don't know, 10 years old. It had come on CNN, uh, Cinemax Vanguard Cinema. <laughs> Ooh, late um, at night. It, well, I wasn't supposed to be watching it, especially <laughs> right. a film about like a love triangle. And, yeah. Well, that was not that particular okay. film, but it was still, you know, a woman taking sleeping pills. And, right, like, right, right. It was definitely adult themed. Um, but I was into it uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> the drama of the language right um and then also i remember just like watching the miss universe pageant and being enthralled by the different countries and the accents and the way people looked and and that kind of thing and so to um when the opportunity presented itself to do a study abroad program it really it was because i was we were walking through the mall and i saw a table where someone was it was for youth for understanding international exchange okay that was the organization and i asked my parents if we could host an exchange student and they were like no <laughs> but you can go oh okay and so i <laughs> we'll take one less mouth to feed exactly instead of one more. exactly yeah. and so that was how that happened and sweden was the cheapest of the two cheapest country oh no sweden was one of the two cheapest countries and sweden's sweden not cheap well in that program it was only twenty five hundred dollars france oh. was my, might have been like thirty three hundred yeah the other popular thing, right it, yeah, because it was yeah. popular and also unlike france and spain you didn't have to learn the language before going or you didn't have to have had yeah. a couple of years of swedish you swedish is go. a tall order i mean and they all speak english which they helps do and you're absolutely right it's not <laughs> yeah, that's... an easy language language no we got the the long end of the stick <laughs> yeah when it exactly. comes to germanic languages so did you uh uh pursue in uh in school and even in university and everything else uh journalism or was that your main thing or was it something else so i changed my major probably twice when i was in college i started off broadcast journalism changed it to spanish and ended up in political science. Oh, actually. where was so, this? Which I, college? This was at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. <laughs> FAMU. 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 Yes. Where what okay. town is that? In? It's in Tallahassee. Okay. It's a historically black college. Yeah. Uh, it was opened in 1887 as the state normal college for Negroes. Oh. And um, yeah, it was at the time when I was going there in the mid to late 90s, we had record numbers of freshmen coming in every year. So it was kind of big. We had like 12,000 students, wow. which it wasn't the size of Florida State University, but it was still a yeah. big university. So lots. it was exciting. There was a lot going on. And we had students from all over the U.S. and foreign and some foreign countries as well. And, my, yeah, um, my cousin went to FSU. Okay, so and the same town. I mean, Tallahassee yeah. is a huge college town. Is that the one with the uh, they have the they're known for the marching band? Yes. Okay, that's now, exactly that. I know. Okay, I used to cover sports. But, All right. Yeah, so go for a newspaper. So I remember they were famous for their band. Yes, that's yeah, correct. Okay, uh, so you studied that, and so your Spanish was. On point, or I mean, were you... uh, when I went when I went to college, no, afterwards. After I mean... so well, so that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> so I took I st oh because of the movie. Yeah, uh, I started taking Spanish in the ninth grade though because of that movie. Whereas everyone else in the entire school system probably only took their two years re of required. It was that movie Spanish. that set it off, uh, man? Yes. Wow. Yes, okay. it was. 
Um, and I ended up studying four years of Spanish in high school and then went to college and started taking it there as well. And so my junior year, I believe, I did a study abroad in the Dominican Republic and stayed with a family. They all thought I was Dominican out in the streets. I'm not. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being Dominican. You know, they just yeah. thought that I should have been speaking better Spanish than I did. <laughs> and certain people would get upset. They thought I was playing around or faking it. Really? Yeah. Did the... the um well, they must have picked out your accent too, like well, the Spanish the, accent. No, the the thing is that I can roll my R's pretty well. Oh, so what they were hearing was were they were hearing a lot of grammatical mistakes okay. that someone coming from English would make. Oh, right. But with the combination of my looks <laughs> and the fact that I could say like ferrocarril, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. that actually worked against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. I didn't get the benefit of the doubt. We never explained uh, to the people what you do, and so in yes, the elevator pitch. Uh, right we just went right it. into it. Yes, so, uh, um, tell your, uh, I know you're a travel writer. Yes. And you're, you have a TV show coming out. So I do. I do. That. I have a travel docuseries about friendship and connection all around the world. It uh, debuts on PBS member stations in April of this year. And the show is called Fly Brother with Ernest White the Second. <laughs> I love the I love the title. Thank you. And uh, in the series, I go to different cities where I've got friends. They bring me into their communities, show me what they love about the place, and we show the audience that the whole world is our tribe. How did you uh, a well? I mean, you had the background in in travel writing and, yes. and journalism, but. You know, as someone who's worked in TV for 20 years and is trying to pitch TV shows, mm. it's not an easy thing. No, it's not. So what was your inroad in selling a show? And tell me how. Well, so the show, <laughs> well, okay, so we didn't ever really sell it. That's the thing. Okay. Um, I... They came I, to you? I, I, they did. Okay, so let me just, I'm trying to figure out okay. the shortest way to tell the story. <laughs> right. um, so I had a travel blog for a long time back in the era when travel blogs were actually relatively popular. Yeah. Um, and mine Are they was, not anymore? was doing, well, I mean, now there's Instagram and, yeah, yeah. and it is saturated. I mean, it's just not the same as it was 10 and 12 and 13 years oh, yeah, ago. No. Um, and so back then, um, I was one of the few voices that were similar to mine, which would basically be let's say African-American male, um, gay male, or we're saying queer these days, um, which I get it. Times change and evolve. <laughs> Next uh, year, it'll be something else. I, possibly, I'll a new but phrase. you know, and it's all right. That's just how these things <laughs> yeah. go. We, it keeps us young. We yeah, have to learn yeah, the yeah. new terminology. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but again, I was one of the few people writing about it. And I was also writing about it kind of from an academic perspective and from an expat perspective. I wasn't just doing travel. I was doing ex my, I was writing about my life abroad and kind of uh, giving it, you know, a service angle as well. So when people wanted to know about how to plan trips, et cetera, or, and, and it was to, it was really written to inspire and educate and get people out into the world. Um, and so because I had that blog and because it had some popularity, some folks from the travel channel reached out to me to participate in a show called destination showdown, which was out, I guess maybe 2010 around that, that time period. And there were other, I was one of a few talking heads, Okay. So at that point, or shortly after that, I had had television experience all of a sudden, even though it was minor. And so a buddy of mine from college was like, hey, man, I'm involved in a new small startup cable network, and we want 
some travel. We want a travel show. We think you'd be great to do it. You know, you're a good storyteller. You have, you've been everywhere. You've got, you know, it's just, you, you'd be perfect for this. And I was like, I, I write literature. <laughs> I, I can't be bothered with that low, I'm not that low form of entertainment exactly, called television. television. Uh, and so basically I resisted <laughs> a little bit, but he was like, listen, man, you know, we obviously can't pay you, but what we can do is give you the airtime. We'll give you the any all the support you need to get advertisers and learn the business and it'll be a non-exclusive contract so you can sell it and you know but you'll have something yeah. and this was a buddy of mine from school it wasn't someone just trying he, he really saw a bigger picture than i was able to see at the time and having worked at that time in travel as a journalist for i don't know over 10 years definitely i was able to leverage the contacts that I had uh, and I had been living in Brazil and so there I had befriended a, a cameraman who had his own production company so the pieces were there yeah yeah and so that's kind of how we got started I got a small investment from a group of lady doctors oh wow. uh, headed by <laughs> Dr. Yvette McQueen shout out nice. to her for uh, and some other amazing people um uh I'm trying to think if I should say names. I'll, no, but, I'll keep the names quiet, but yes. <laughs> I had I had some some seed investment, and uh, we got some things going. Well, while we were finalizing the the filming of some of the episodes, the network went dark. Oh, they ran out of money, and so we ended up having a cart but no horse. And Sounds so, like you need to make another call to those doctors. I'm, oh, I did. Oh, I did. Well, eventually I got around to kind of engaging again with the, the network of people that I already knew. Ended up meeting Michaela Malozzi of Bare Feet with Michaela Malozzi, mm -hmm. and she, which is an award, Emmy Award winning PBS travel series. And she said, have you thought about PBS? And I was like, no, I had not. And so we ended up kind of, she connected me with some people and I was able to to start uh, attempting to learn the ropes <laughs> and um, now we're here you know and it, it, it was definitely uh, it's a combination entrepreneurs and producers journey which means yeah. doubly as treacherous and perilous <laughs> but the rewards are also twofold sure. and so we're headed towards the 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 starting line for, I'm totally yeah. mixing my metaphors That's okay. right now but. but so how many episodes have you shot we will be coming out with eight episodes in season one are they a half hour or an hour half hour episode, okay that's yes. cool uh, these are all places that you lived and know well? And they are not all places that I've lived and know well. They are some places I have lived in and know well. Other places I visited for the first time with someone that is either from there or knows it well. Mm -hmm. And some of them are places that I just um, have a space in my heart for. <laughs> and I'm not going to say all of the locations. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm going to keep that serious. But you See, said it's more about friendship and, yes. and that kind of thing. So it's not like, say, food-centric or it's something. No, it's not food-centric, though obviously food plays a big part because, you know, That's what clearly you do with friends. it's what you do with friends. <laughs> and it's what you do in a lot of places where they may not necessarily have a lot of tourist sites or tourist sites that are quote-unquote interesting to an American viewer, um, we still have, there's always a place for breaking bread with mm -hmm. people. And, um, but it's not it's centered around food. No, I'm not really a foodie. 
I just eat. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to say I'm not a foodie, I'm a fatty. But <laughs> How did you get to... Uh, well, that's great. Congratulations on the show, oh, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Well, let's get to Brazil. Brazil. Because I've only... Uh, I think I saw from your site, you were in Sao Paulo. Yes, I lived I've in Because I've only Sao been to Rio and Buzios. I uh, got it. Okay. And, well, I went to Iguazu Falls. But uh, so Sao Paulo, it just... It seems intimidating to me just because of the sure, sheer size sure. of it do you like cities yeah I'm then you would guy. love sao paulo okay and the, it is because sao paulo is the ur city i mean it is just it's insane <laughs> I, I it's hard to describe sometimes because it's just a ball of energy and excitement and exhilaration and that that can be a double-edged sword yeah. i mean there's all kinds of craziness yeah. that happens a little self-control sure and, and i mean you, helps. Can, you <laughs> could totally lose yourself yeah there a lot of people do they do um there's also i mean there's lots of people with bad drug habits and it's crime and you know dirt and grime and all that but there are so many friendly, amazing, interesting people living there. Sao Paulo has 20 million Brazilians. You're going to tell me that's not going to be exciting? (laughs) Like, go with whatever stereotype you want to go with. Like, it's (laughs) an amazing place. Now, it doesn't mean you... Places are like people. You know, just because I love a place doesn't mean you're going to love it, and vice versa. But... I feel like there's so many people who either because it is not attractive in that picture postcard kind of way um, and because a lot of Paulistanos used to. I I think it's changed a little bit, um, but they used to just always pop off to Rio or Miami or London or wherever the the Northeast Salvador, you know, Mm -hmm. but they didn't they didn't even give their own city a chance. I think that has changed a little bit, um, partially because of the economy where you know, a lot of people aren't rolling in it like they used to, so no. they have to hang out in their home space. But that also means you've got just this vibrant cultural flowering that happens there. Now, did you pick it or did a job pick it for you and you uh, had to move down there? I picked it and found a job. And I'll say that I, uh, on my first trip to my second trip to Brazil, Uh, My first trip was to Salvador during Carnival, and it was phenomenal. (laughs) Uh, My second trip to Brazil, I was going with friends to spend New Year's in Rio. That was over 10 years ago. (laughs) and um, It's a long party. Yes. (laughs) New Year's. Yes. (laughs) It Uh, is Rio. (laughs) And I was going to – I was teaching university in Colombia. That, okay. that time. I just got back from Colombia. Oh, my where first were time. you? Medi- Medellin. Okay, Medellin, yes. Yeah. I lived in Bogota and Barranquilla. Okay. And uh, I was living in Bogota at the time. And so I think, um, anyway, it, oh, gosh, yeah, I've had so many experiences. So was Brazil, uh, well, so 10 years in Brazil? It was No, no, no. It was over 10 years ago. Okay. And, uh, and so I got down there. Um, I was going to spend the New Year's with my friends. We did in Rio. And then I was going to spend another week because I had that extra long vacation time or two weeks at Christmas. And so I got to Sao Paulo and booked myself into a hotel room for $50 a night on Rua Augusta. Mm -hmm. This was probably, again, like 2007. And I fell completely, madly, deeply in love with that place. I made friends immediately. And one of whom appears in my TV series was the first person that I met there. And I don't know what it was. It was something about just the it, it, it was it, it was what I would imagine New York in the 70s was like. Oh, okay. you know, a little bit dangerous, dirty. very dirty. But, but things happen. You could have a sense of things happening. Things were happening in the cultural sense. Things were yeah. happening in the 
connectivity sense and the communication sense, you know, and that's as a writer, as an artist, that's what I, you know, thrived on just that kind of, uh, urban urbanity. Yeah. But if this was 2007, did the crash of like 2008 hit it down there as well? I mean, did they feel it? I mean, I guess the world uh, felt no, it. No, Brazil actually was having kind of a, uh, they were, 2007 really was when they had an upswing in their economy. Yeah. And from 2007 until about 2012 was when it's, it was heating up. And oh, then okay. it overheated in, uh, yeah. around 2012, 2013. So, um, so yeah, when I was there, it was just starting to, to find its legs again for that short yeah. time period and it really there was this exuberance in the country people thought brazil's moment was finally coming yeah it was uh, it was going to be the new hot booming place yeah. there for a little while and now it's taken a yeah yeah a it's hard, sad. a hard right turn uh, you know literally yeah uh well it, it, politically yeah uh, but the thing is also when you go there you know that same i mean people are just over it you know yeah. they are cynical um there's still that there's still an edge but it's not buffered by the optimism yeah that i experienced when i was there yeah it's too bad yeah is um so i mean if you thought you could pass as a local in the Dominican, I'm sure everybody just went up to you, started speaking Portuguese. Oh, did I think I could pass? They thought yeah. I was. Pa <laughs> That's what well, I mean. Yes. So I, now yes, you, yes, after yes, tackling yes. Spanish, now you got to learn Portuguese. Oh my God, it was insane. So Brazilian I, Portuguese. Brazilian Portuguese. And the thing is, I was always again good with accent. Okay. And with <laughs> Portuguese, my like, I didn't understand a word, but I could fake it and mimic it really good so right. or really well so i'd be like um what was, uh, something like that asking him, where's the bathroom and then they would totally like tell me but i would go in the direction that they pointed and yeah, ask again because it. i didn't understand a damn word <laughs> sorry for the french no, you can say uh, and then i also just remember too that because i was staying with friends i would often be in places where tourists didn't usually go and particularly in sao paulo Mm -hmm. um, and so why wouldn't I speak Portuguese? Yeah. And why wouldn't someone who looks like me speak Portuguese? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. And so when I didn't, they really, I remember one guy asking me, where was the bathroom? I'm like, desculpe, eu não falo Portuguese. <laughs> like, I'm, he was just like, you shitting me, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a person saying, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. Yeah. Just in, like in that. In good English. Right. <laughs> Which I've heard people do before, oh, yeah. actually. It's like, well, you fooled me. Correct. Uh, it sounds good. Yes. But eventually, I will say my buddy Pacheco, who's my friend DJ that I met when I first got there, we started off our friendship exclusively in English. And then, you know, now we only speak Portuguese to each other. That's great. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So were you writing? Tell, I saw you had uh, articles on... Uh, on Brazil in things like USA Today, I think you had something. On uh, I had something in USA Today. Uh, it was more of a, I, I think it was just inclusion in an article about being an expatter okay. traveling abroad. Uh, did you write I, for travel guides and things? I like did. That? I did actually. So I had a couple of articles in Getaway Magazine, which was South Africa's largest English language travel magazine. Okay. And I did a big feature on Brazil for them. And I also was work I was doing articles for travelchannel.com and Viator and TripAdvisor back when they were doing blogs. And um, I also ended up, uh, oh, Skylife, the Turkish Airlines magazine. Oh, yeah, which I yeah. Love. I just had something come out on the Presidio of San Francisco. Okay. Um, in November. Um, but you asked me, I forgot. 
Well, I'm no, I mean, <laughs> was writing your main gig down there. Oh, so when I lived in Brazil, I was actually uh, the assistant editor at Time Out Sao Paulo magazine. Oh, okay. And that was what you... Okay, so clearly I don't answer your so questions. So you're editing a... Um, uh, in in Portuguese, Portuguese. No, it was in English. English. It was okay, in English, okay. and I was the assistant editor. Okay. So I had certain sections that I was in charge of: um, music, nightlife, the good uh, section. Oh my god! The, <laughs> any museum that wasn't strictly an art museum, um, I was. Oh god, uh, the gay and lesbian section, travel. That was those were my sections, and I was responsible for commissioning works as well as writing and researching my own stuff, and. Um, that was kind of how I ended up in Sao Paulo. So I did choose it, or it chose me, maybe. <laughs> I just worked on a cruise ship with some, uh, the band was from Brazil, and they were from Sao Paulo. Okay, and I the said, boys you, from Brazil? Yeah, yeah. I said, what do you think of, uh, <laughs> what do you think of uh, people in Rio? And they're like, ah, oh, they don't do anything. You know, they just sit around the sun and Correct. party. Correct, they don't. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Sorry, <laughs> Cariocas. It's like, it's kind of the way like New Yorkers think of LA people. You know, sure. the, the, you know it's kind of like... And I, th- I think more LA think uh, New Yorkers would think of Miamians. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's it too. Yeah. 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 Just laying around the beach all day and you know? <laughs> yeah. oiled up, just hanging Looking out, partying. Good. Yeah. Plotting how they're gonna rob tourists. <laughs> yeah. I got it. <laughs> Did you ever have any? What was any? Uh, give me your scariest moment. Oh, my Brazil. scariest moment was when I was actually walking down the street in Rio. And I was coming back from the gym. Now, let me tell you, I had a disc man at the time oh. intentionally because I felt felt like no one if was you... going to bother me with my disc man in like <laughs> 2007. Yeah, we've all moved on to iPods by then. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and you're not a small guy. I mean, if someone's coming after I'm you. I'm not. Yeah. And I mean, yet. Oh, no. So I was walking with a friend of mine from the gym and we were talking. I was like, you know, half Spanish. I really know it was mostly like broken Spanish right. um, with a Portuguese twang to it. <laughs> and the, there was a kid that started engaging me and I don't know what, we, what he asked me because I didn't understand him. And I said, I'm sorry, like I can't help or whatever. And then he grabbed my arm and then I kind of flipped and did like the gorilla, you know, <laughs> chest bump. <laughs> and uh, then he like threw a rock at me and came and like kicked me in my butt. What? <laughs> like this was like a ten year old, oh, and then ran. Kid. He threw a rock and then came up, kicked me on the butt, and ran off. <laughs> and it was crazy because people in the streets were trying to tell me just to let it, like let him go, and I was like pulling my belt off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me get a switch. Let exactly. Switch the- <laughs> like you know what would have happened to me had yeah, I, I done that I at know. that age, and um, it. It wasn't until I got back to my friend's apartment that it hit me that I had been, quote unquote, accosted wow. in the street. And I don't know. It was that was scary because it was like I had never known what it was like to be victimized. Right. But never any like um, uh, pickpocketing or anything like no, that. No, no. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, it happens in Brazil. Sure. It can also happen in Miami or, oh, sure. you know, L.A. So I... I don't know. I mean, I love Brazil deeply. I know they've got problems, but so does every place. Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't robbed in Brazil. My my memory was uh, going out at night and the cabs not stopping at the red lights yes. in Rio. You know, I was like, "What? You're not stopping at the red lights?" Like, no, that's when they sure carjack sure. you. I mean, stuff. Yeah, I was you like, know, "Oh, well, then by all means, go right <laughs> through." Right. Continue. <laughs> continue. I mean, it's you just have to be street smart everywhere you go. Sure. And uh, I. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not small. Yeah. And um, 
And, yeah, they, they, and they might have thought you were local. You know, I mean, now, I've been to I places say, where, you know, they see me coming, you know, a mile away. And, you know. Sure, I get it. I get it. But the other thing, too, is in Brazil specifically, like in Rio specifically, they'll rob other Brazilians from other parts yeah, of the country. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, they they have a really, the people who know what they're looking at and know what they're looking for, know how to identify people from out of town. Sure, so it sure. doesn't even matter if you're Brazilian or not. That said, that's not the majority of people in Rio. Most of the people who are just trying to go, go about their lives are working at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday when all the gringos are hanging yeah, out on the beach. Exactly. You know, so... So, uh, before we leave Brazil, give us some places that you would recommend that maybe other than the obvious, like Rio and stuff like that. Oh, well, um, definitely Salvador, yeah. which I think is... I, that's where I want to go up oh, north. It's, I want to go... phenomenal. Because um, there's Recife and there's Salvador. Recife, there's Natal, there's, um, there's just all these little towns and, and, yeah. and, and, and medium-sized towns, Fortaleza, where the beaches are beautiful, the culture is interesting, Interesting and it's laid back, yeah. and in many ways, it's like the it's the Caribbean. Yeah, it's much know? more African. Um, certainly, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, and particularly as you go kind of to the north, you got a lot of Amerindian influence still, um, or you go inland from Salvador to uh, or, or from Recife, uh, Santana, in the, the interior of Pernambuco uh, state, mm-hmm. where you've got a lot of traditional of, of cultural traditions um, and festivals and foods where they mix the African, the indigenous, and the European cultures, um, which is the beauty of Brazil, right? Yeah. Um, And then I would also say, obviously, Sao Paulo is one of the world's biggest under-hyped cities. cities. It is. (laughs) It is one of the world's biggest cities, and it's still people just don't give it the chance that it deserves. Um, I would say I also had a good time in the city of Goiânia, which is about two hours away from Brasilia. Okay. Another city that's underrated. The capital. Yeah. Um, you well, just it's kind of the, built in the middle of nowhere, It right? is, but there's people living there. Yeah. And there's Brazilians living there. It <laughs> can be fun. You just have to... You, it, so you, my key to, to connecting with people, when I first moved to Brazil, I moved to Brasilia. And within a week of being... When I first got there, I was working for a school. And they took care of my apartment and everything. And I got onto couch surfing. And again, this was like, Oh, I remember. I, yeah, yeah, I did a little couch surfing. And this was maybe 2009, 2010. Yeah. And I got on a couch surfing and I put in a, a, put a post up talking about, you know, new gringo in town, <laughs> having a housewarming party. Uh, every, you know, people are welcome. Could someone translate this for me? Immediately someone, uh, my friend Noemia, she's a journalist. She... Uh, like and said she was coming and then she translated the message for me and I don't know 14 or 15 people um RSVP'd 40 people showed up <laughs> and they were all amazing and someone was like taking a garbage bag around and like to make sure all the trash was collected Aww. before they left my house and then the next day I got a notice from the apartment complex saying I should not have had a party without <laughs> getting express permission from management first for them to tell me no. But, uh, and so I just, I automatically had 40 new friends in Brasilia, you know? So I I think that's a story for any place you go to, especially for places that you may find yourself either um, by chance or you're going to a place that, you know, that is not known for having a hip scene or whatever. You can find people, especially with the, with technology nowadays. Yeah. And, uh, 
Well, let's get on to Colombia now. Sure. When did that come in in the, in the that whole picture? That was before Brazil. That was before? Yes. And you picked that as well? Just I you did. It? I did. Well, yeah. After I was finishing up graduate school in okay. D.C., I went to American University for my MFA in creative writing. In Washington? In Washington, yeah. yes. Gotcha. One, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> the American University yes, in Washington. Right. In Washington, D.C., the uh, but but so by that time this is the what that early two thousand yeah that was uh, two thousand five so when I was okay. my last Columbia was not hot then it was as it, well, it, as it is now so that's the thing so <laughs> I went there in two thousand five after I finished um, I got I, I went and had an interview at the Colombo Americano which is the bicultural center in Medellin okay um, they were set to hire me but the pay was really low and I heard about a university in the north part of the country. La Universidad del Norte. And I ended up going there and getting hired. And they were paying a lot more. Plus, they <laughs> had the whole package of flying you down and apartment. And that's the thing. We're talking about a time when it was completely safe. But most Americans didn't know that. Lots of foreigners didn't know that. And so they still had a hard time trying to recruit teachers. And so it, it's common in the education, international educational circles for an entire package to be set up for you. But you also had to be highly credentialed. I had a master's degree. And so even though many universities would require a PhD, I was there to teach English as a second language. And so that master's, there were people there who didn't have a master's, but they had teaching experience and they at least yeah. had a bachelor's degree. But my point is that they, it was still a time when you could go and get a really high paying job as an English teacher. Were they paying you in dollars at least? They, I didn't get paid in dollars, but I got paid a hell of a lot of money in pesos. Oh, that's good. And, and it's cheap um, living down there. It was very cheap living. And <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when you're with these high schools, and even the university that I taught at at first, the, my apartment was paid. My money was all uh, disposable. <laughs> and um, so I lived there for four years. I lived a year in Barranquilla a year and a half in Bogota and then another year in Barranquilla. I apologize to my listeners for all the Bogota, Colombia, you know, right. Uh, you, you know, I used to criticize people who would switch back and forth because I'm like, the newscasters. Yes. There was a riot today in Nicaragua. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> I'm at the Miraflores Palace. <laughs> yeah. But I do see now how hard it can be sometimes to yeah. completely isolate. Well, so now my apologies. Me. I don't know whether I should say Medellin or Medellin. I well, Medellin I, is English. You I know, know and Medellin, Medellin is, is the way say the paisas there. say it. But yeah. you know, there's other ways of saying it too. Um, and I feel like, well, yeah, I'm sorry for being a pretentious douchebag. <laughs> so, if <laughs> how does uh, I didn't go to Bogota? Um, how does it compare to say? Sao Paulo or something. Um, like so Bogota is a city of eight, well, then it was like eight million people. I think it's I'm about sure that now. It's, or okay, like that. Um, it's way up in the andes so it's it's high chilly. elevation yeah. definitely i mean it's relatively chilly a lot of places don't have central heating mm. i lived in a beautiful historical um like colonial house that had been split into apartments and so it was super cold because it was <laughs> built in an iberian design yeah. which is made to cool a not house. a lot of fiberglass insulation. No, either. not at all. And it's got that central <laughs> courtyard, which sure. is made to, to for hot air to escape. And so, and we were up on the mountainside with oh. spectacular views of the city. That sounds great. It was incredible. Um, didn't like the food. It though. was freezing though. You didn't like the food in Bogota. No, and but Colombia the food was a little disappointing. 
I thought a little bit. I would say that I it's couldn't eat not any more uh, empanadas. Well, okay, that's, that's the <laughs> fast food. After I guess. a while, I could, um, a lot of deep fried stuff. They, they like they yeah, love to, yeah. they love to deep fry their cheese and uh, a lot of things. That's true. If you're getting stuff, on what's the, the street? thing with the uh, bunuelos? Bunuelo. I went on a street food tour, right? But I was eating. It was a lot of meat. I don't eat yeah. that much meat usually, okay. but well, for Brazil, got, I had the same problem. Okay, so I would say I felt like Colombia has a, a much wider array of cuisine yeah. than Brazil does. Um, the fruit is great. It is, and Brazil has great food up in the Northeast. You know, yeah. diff, it's flavorful and Where that the kind of thing. But, right, but it's also <laughs> in the central part of the country, it's very meat and potatoes. Yeah. You know, it's hearty. But they also, you know, historically, I mean, they imported a lot of meats from Portugal um, and the word jerky comes from charque, which Uh was like that preparation of salt, salted meat. So in Brazil, I find the food to be salty as hell (laughs) um, because that's their palate. In yeah. Colombia, you've got like lots of great soups. I don't know how many, 17 types of potatoes or something yeah. like that. There's in the ajiaco, um, bandeja paisa, which is like a large meal with like ground beef and plant- I plantain. That. I went so, to the mandangos. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> they have one in Miami. Uh, yeah. Okay? I saw that. I saw that on the menu. There was like a few, a handful yes. of them in Colombia. And then it was the only one they have in America is, of course, in Miami. Yeah. And it's in the Doral neighborhood, which is actually turning mostly Venezuelan these days. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, the Venezuelans are leaving. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's rough over there. It is rough. But a lot of them I will going say, to Colombia. Yes, they are. Um, so it's kind of a reverse migration than what used to be the norm for yeah. Colombians going over into Venezuela. But I, sad, with as horrible as. The scene in, is in Venezuela. In Miami, the level of attractiveness is going way up. <laughs> See, silver lining. Yeah, silver lining, man. <laughs> yeah, so it was one after a week in uh, in Medellin. I was like, yeah, boy, I wish I would have traveled. I got to start traveling with hot sauce. I do, I do love spice, and I was like, I was dying for spice. You your top I came back to LA, and it was like, I'm, I'm having some Korean, I'm yes. getting some something Asian, I got some Thai food, something. But my friend, uh, well, you'll, his uh, interview just will come out before yours, and he uh, is running a restaurant down there, and he said, oh, even nice. in the last, the way it's growing that the last uh, few years the restaurant scene has improved sure a uh, you lot. know I have not re- I mean we filmed an episode in Bogota okay oh, damn I just said that Bogota and, and well also gave away one of our episodes okay but, well, um, that said we um, I haven't really been around the country in many years okay. and so I'm looking forward to maybe re-engaging that's great yeah that's great so okay so now Medellin or uh, Bogota, Barranquilla, Sao Paulo. Yeah. Where didn't you make it to South Africa at some point? I did live in South Africa for a little while. I lived okay, in Cape Town. Where did that? Get? Cape Town, I love. Cape, Cape Town's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell me how that came about. And uh, well, that was I don't know. I fell in love. So ah, uh, here we go. Had a little yeah, but I'm not going into details. <laughs> Let, we'll leave that there. But uh, did you write any guides or do anything? I like did that? not actually. I it's funny because I went there on a press trip and ended up moving there, uh, which was not what the uh, <laughs> tourism board had expected yeah. when they brought me down. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you do have a return ticket. You can exactly. use it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to stay. That's good. Uh, exactly. No, thank you. Thank That's you. Funny. You can cash that out. I'll cash this in. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, it was, um, oh my God, I still love South Africa so much. It, it, the people, 
super friendly and engaging and uh, sweet. And the, I don't, the atmosphere, and I know there's problems there. I'm not trying to paint some rosy picture. No, but for me, just the energy there when, when I go, whenever I go, is there's just something about it. I feel home there. I was there about a month before the World Cup started. Mm. Oh wow! And there was, was still a while ago. Yeah, we toured the uh, what was it, two thousand eight? Yeah, something like that. Um, and I didn't think they were going to finish. I mean, the the the, uh, the new stadium. Mm-hmm. We got off the plane and the drive. The the roads were under construction. The airport was still under construction. I was like, they're not going to make it. They're mm. not going to finish it. But they <laughs> and did. They did it. They yeah. pulled it off. But the sad thing is, I don't think anybody's using the no brand but I mean, new beautiful stadium. But that's. The whole thing about these World Cups and Olympics, I know, and, Olympics and all that kind of stuff. Same thing with Brazil. They've caught on. Now. Yeah, Brazil lost a lot of money. Okay. Yeah, they did. And and uh, people, that's what was happening when I was Manaus. there. People were... I mean, what's the point? Well, people live in Manaus and they I might want to see... They, they don't have a team that can fill oh, that stadium. That's true. But, well, and that was one of the things that was happening when I was living in Brasilia. They were talking about why not put the stadium in Goiania because there they have a team and yeah. and, and fans. Whereas in <laughs> Brasilia, people weren't as involved in, at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, they may things may have changed. But also... Um, you know, part of what people were t- complaining about in Brazil, rightly so, were like, we need hospitals, we need schools, we need yeah. public infrastructure that is lasting yeah, and that trains. can help build our society, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, big sporting events are great and, and, and there's lots of nationalism that gets involved. But in the end, who is it benefiting? I think the cities have caught on now because I think the, last, the next two Olympics... The only ones who put in bids were like L.A. and Paris. Yeah. And, of course, we're doing the next two. Right. But, you know, people have caught on. They're like, we're losing a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and so... It's not like, a sustainable business model, no, clearly. No, not at all. So where is the... Um, how did you get to San Francisco, and why did you leave Florida? Uh, well... Jeez, I didn't expect to be answering these kinds of questions. Well, you move around a lot, you know. That's true. Um, You think you can settle in one place? Well, yes, I'm settling in San Francisco. Actually, you think you're going to stay? Well, I'm. It's where it's the phase of life that I'm in right now, where I am becoming. my life is becoming stable in order for me to sustain and scale what I'm doing with the show, with the transformational lifestyle brand that's built around the show, with other uh, storytelling projects that I'm involved in that requires less of the kinds of um, globe hopping that I was doing when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that was very necessary at the time. I was able to really connect with people and build a global network that I of of very deep friendships that I'm able to leverage as a way of helping other people build their own networks of friendships and just really this truly global community that we can have now that you couldn't have a, half a generation ago. Well, talk about the uh, where you see it going and is it um, is the African-American market really something you, you've been focusing on that you want to get more people to travel? And, and because it is like a, a, a spot that, or like a, I want to say a, a niche that needs to be grown, I would think, in terms of the numbers. 
well, of getting so, out there. I mean, it's happening, actually. I, mean, well, I know, go to these travel events, and there's not, you know, it's, it's not a very diverse group. No, but that's more on the industry side. That yeah. has nothing to do with the, the people that are going out there in the world. And I'll say this, that, you know, there is a thing called the Black Travel Movement, TM. <laughs> and it's been this, it's this groundswell of international travel among black Americans. And I say that to say you've had people, black people from other parts of the world who've been traveling for centuries sure, sure. It's like for you know for decades uh and or at least in this so so there's the idea of travel as a journey you know mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be necessarily a package tour or you know, people immigrating from one place to another that is a form of travel and so the great migration of african americans from the south to the cities of the north and the west is that not travel as yeah. well especially when it sparked the need to continue uh, to the, the the connectivity between those places that the green book kind of grew out of Mm -hmm. um that said you know black americans have uh kind of the numbers have exploded since with the advent of i would say the nexus of um instagram and the big three middle east carriers that started offering flights to africa for seven hundred dollars whereas before they were three thousand dollars and they always required a stop overnight in london right right or a lo- at least a long layover and so you've got now this um democratization that's happening not just of the means of transport but the awareness of it and so whereas before when i started my blog i mean there i was never the first yeah. Right. There were always people who had been traveling, but the awareness was not where it is now at all in the least. There were still people looking at me saying, oh, he must have a trust fund or, you know, because it was pre Instagram. And I'm, I'm not saying Instagram is the end all be all. But what I'm saying is it gave people a window that they didn't have before to the accessibility of international travel. And black Americans have definitely taken advantage of that. And there are huge groups of travelers uh, that the nomadness travel tribe, for example, is one of those groups that was formed on Facebook. It's got some hundred thousand members, Mm -hmm. mostly black American and they exchange tips. They, you know, information is out there that I don't even know about because (laughs) I, you know, I used to have my finger quote unquote on the pulse of like finding travel deals. That was in the old days. Yeah. You know, now you've got a huge surge in participation. So because of that, you know, my role has always been, Yes, I'm a member of the black American community. I grew up in it and I am a stand for it. However, I'm a stand for people of all backgrounds connecting across background and boundary. So as I do it, my 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 participation in it is important because I'm visible. You know, but it's not it's not limited to any one particular group. So when all these um uh, social media and everything started, you know, really to take off and yes. Instagram and everything like that. Were you on board quickly, or are you did you embrace it, or do you go, oh, this is another thing? I, got. I am not. I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> Me I too. Did not. And I was like, I'm struggling look, with. And next week it's going to be some people. Yes. T- somebody told me, like, Mike, you got to get in TikTok. I was like, what? What am I going to do? On, is that a clock? Who wants to see my old ass on TikTok? Dude, and no, you. no, fifteen year old is going to watch me. <laughs> Do whatever I do on TikTok. So I'm with you. I will say that obviously we go begrudgingly into that good night. I know. Um. But it's it's a double-edged sword in terms of of like, well, and and things that there's a backlash in a lot of places on Instagram because, about Instagram because of uh, the crowds now. 
the people are just coming up for the for the photo uh, at certain places, yeah. and it's. Okay, so I'll say this with the show that I'm doing. I mean, obviously, so I'm coming from a literary background. I have my 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 master's degree in creative writing, (laughs) and what that means is I am coming with a depth of storytelling that I feel is being lost. Just because you've got, I, I used to teach university um, in Miami, and I was teaching brilliant kids who were in their twenties who had the attention span of a gnat, and it yeah. wasn't their fault. It was just the way of the world. Our attention spans are shorter sure. than they used to be, and so when you've got kids who are engaged, who really want to learn, and really were interested in 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 what I was able to connect them with, but who still had these kinds of you know quick twitch kinds of of, of uh, uh, not even attention spans, just they were trying to do 15 things at a time. Um, I think when you look at the stories that get told, they don't necessarily go as deep as they can because they don't spend the same amount of time on those stories that we would have in the past. And I, and I appreciate that I'm a bridge of sorts. Mm-hmm. Again, not the only one, but <laughs> I am a bridge connecting traditional storytelling with new media and that's exciting i live in the bay area i am increasingly finding myself in rooms where they're discussing ai and other forms of interaction and half that stuff i don't know what the hell they're talking yeah. about <laughs> my eyes glaze over right but you know what i didn't know spanish or portuguese before as i was just getting started right i have a high tolerance for ambiguity which is required for language learning mm-hmm. and so if you look at this brave new world we're entering as a new language i'm i've been placed there regardless of my attitude or opinion of it I know. You know, so am I... It's not going away. No, it's not. So am I going (laughs) to lean into it and and really at least learn enough about it to to leverage my gifts that I've been given? Or am I going to try to run away from it? Well, I did try to run away (laughs) from it and it didn't work. So here I am. (laughs) But at least, uh, I mean, you happen to be working for a... uh I, I mean, you managed to get a show without them asking you how many uh, Twitter followers you have and I stuff like that. I barely which is... squeaked in on that, by the way, because <laughs> they were fixing their mouths to ask that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had to give them like some great content yeah. where they didn't ask. But I, they were looking at them. And that's the thing. I will say my biggest regret. Oh, my biggest regret when it comes to, to, to what I could have done better in these over 10 years, this more than a decade of, of presence in, in the media is engagement on social media. Yeah. You know, I loved getting, getting comments and I'd always get back to them eventually, mm-hmm. which meant never. Right, and right. so that's the thing. And people like one of my, my girls, Onika Raymond, Onika the Traveler, I, I kind of always shout her out because we are of the same graduating class, if <laughs> you will. We had blogs out at the same time. We ended up meeting through those blogs. And she was always great at engagement. And she would respond right away. And I just couldn't be bothered. Right. And it sounds bad. It wasn't like I was minimizing my relationship with my audience. I was just trying to live my life offline. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's me. That's my thing. And I get it. And I recognize that, you know, it's not about me. The engagement is not about me. It's about the people who want to understand life the way I see it and experience it the way I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And if I had had that awareness back then, then I might have been more engaging. And so now I'm working on that because, again, <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the people that I'm I'm shining for whom I'm shining a light on possibility. 
Right. So let's do a speed round here. Of, give me the places you've never been mm. that are on your list you're dying to get to. Greenland. Yeah, I've never been either. Antarctica. So I have no, been there. Okay. Um, Madagascar. Oh, yeah. Mozambique, too. Um, Papua New Guinea. Um, Buenos Aires. Really? Yeah, I've never been. I think you'd love it. Yeah, as a sure city guy, you would love it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any place else. Crazy accent, though, in Buenos Aires. Yeah, that show and all that Oof, crap. Man, I, my Spanish was bad enough, but. <laughs> there i couldn't even i'm like you i can fake it i can get like a keyword yeah. here and there and if they point that way oh thank you you know a linguistic attitude but i've never been a fan of of the 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 show and oh the, that's that was tough uh, yeah it was like Cachate. I, yeah i tell people it's like it's like us going to scotland it's mm-hmm. english but it yes. isn't you know? right <laughs> right like, Faroe like, islands oh yeah okay. um i there's something to be said about the small remote places in the world that I enjoy. I'd still want to get to Uzbekistan. I was close. I touched it. But I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not going. So, yeah. Is there... Is there oh, I'm sorry. I, and I obviously, um, Benin, Ghana, Nigeria. I haven't done hardly any of... Uh, I haven't really done any yeah. West Africa. Oh, you... At, I've done. I've been to Dakar, which is yeah. incredible. The Lagos Airport. I was stuck in for nine okay, hours. I don't okay. recommend that experience. Mm. <laughs> Rwanda, also. I was just there this yeah. summer. Oh, it's I've bad. heard it's amazing. I did the gorilla Uganda. track. Now I'm going to start just rattling them off. Rwanda's a, yeah. amazing recovery from the you know, the genocide was 25 years ago. Yeah, I know we're this, getting this summer. We're, we're and they've done amazingly rebounded incredibly. That's really good. clean too surprisingly all right and uganda is beautiful the countryside is beautiful the capital is a little rough so the thing is for me i am my focus tends to be on cities and people in africa and i feel like that's what i've been called to do because the focus often is so Mm -hmm. much on the animals and that's great wonderful well the cities can be hard that's okay but they're there yeah they are there so yeah. are we going to ignore them or no. are we going to find out find the beauty in them? Yeah, Kigali, Rwanda, the capital is a good place to start. Okay. It's good. Um is there any places you would say you're uh, you went to and going, you know what, if I never get back to this place. Uh, I would say parts of China right about now. <laughs> uh. yeah, right. I still haven't been to mainland China. I've been I, to Taiwan and Hong Kong. Hong Kong I love. Hong Kong's great. Taiwan um, or Taipei is, is is pretty good too. I haven't been to Taipei. I enjoyed Shanghai actually yeah and i would love to do some historical research on i'm I, you know i'm a fan of the 20s 30s and 40s so 30 shanghai chic yeah it's <laughs> uh, just it's super cool uh i mean indiana jones and the temple of doom sure. was one of the first films i ever saw in the theater as a child and i recognize it was rife with stereotype mm-hmm. however it was 30 shanghai which was kind of fly <laughs> um and uh I, you know Iran, man, like there's so many places that I would love to get to that now you can't go to or or whatever. But the things change. You know, if we look at Colombia and Venezuela, Colombia used to be supremely dangerous when we were much younger. And Venezuela was the hot spot for yeah. everything. The Concord used to fly to Caracas three times a week. Oh, sure. Now it's completely flipped. And so I don't know, but I, there's I, Haiti I've ne- been needing to get to and meaning to get to for a long time. And I would love for us to do an episode there. So um, I can't really say a place that I wouldn't go back to. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with not going back to Beijing. 
Mm-hmm. I'm okay with not. I heard going. you go. You see it once. You take your photos, and then it, it was all right. It just yeah. you know, again, places are like people. So sometimes I know people who love Beijing. I know people who, who you know who hate Sao Paulo. Right? Sure. Um, Is there a trend then in uh, travel that you'd like to see? If if you if you'd like to see end and something you'd like to see more of. That's tough because, you know, obviously it's easy for me as someone who's relatively well-traveled to be like, oh, there shouldn't be so many tourists going to (laughs) such and such a place, you know? Um, I have kind of made it a soft uh, policy of mine to, let's say, not go to Machu Picchu because I do think there's a lot of people going to Machu Picchu. Do I need to go? You know, I'm not feeling called there necessarily, so I'm okay Mm-hmm. Not going. Besides, it's not you know. There's no escalator or helicopter, um, and so yeah. <laughs> um, or same for there was a train. I mean, there's a train you yeah, can take well, up, I'm and good. then you take the bus up. I mean, that's as part of the problem too. That it's it's yeah. too accessible. Right. Um, I would say probably going to um, the Kilimanjaro would be similar. It's like everyone's like they have something to prove. I don't have anything to prove. I'm cool. <laughs> I will celebrate your ascension to the summit of Kilimanjaro when you get back to. Bay. <laughs> camp where i'm chilling with some hot chocolate. i did that one i did that one. i did, <laughs> did it was feel, hard did you feel accomplished yeah uh it was, it was really it was harder than i thought it'd be well i knew it'd be hard it's the uh it's the altitude that gets everybody it's sure. not a technical sure, climb sure, it's just sure. a hike basically sure. but it, everybody it's the uh it's the altitude yeah, that gets you yeah well to answer your question i guess i feel like it, I, I do wish there were was less travel shaming on social media um, you know, a lot of people try to prove that, oh, you know, I've been here and there and all these other places and, and where have you been? Yeah. You know, look, I have traveled a lot of places and part of that is to show people that you can do it without a trust fund, that you can do it if you prioritize it, that it's even easier now than it used to be. Yeah. And so the idea is not to be shaming people that, oh, you're not you're not worthy of my presence because you don't even own a passport that could be remedied. You know, people, I want more people to have passports, but I don't want them to feel like they can't go anywhere because they haven't been anywhere yet. And we need it more than ever. We need it so badly. (laughs) We really do. Like, so one of the projects I'm, I'm, I'm looking into doing once my show takes off and somebody please feel free to steal this idea. (laughs) So I don't have to do it. Uh, it's a Mississippi (laughs) passport project. That's what I'm calling it because I was just thinking I was in Mississippi on a press trip a few years ago. And it's a place that I remember mentioning to certain people I was going to. Oh, I would never go there. And, you know, I kind of would never go there until I did. And once I was there, I just saw the appreciation that people were expressing for us to to be there and and to to hear their stories and to see the places that they hold dear and these were, you know, a, a lot of them were black American, uh, let's say, tour guides and restaurateurs and, 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 and people who had businesses. And we're so quick to run off to Malawi and, and, and other countries to help. And I get it. But like we're skipping over Mississippi. Why? Because <laughs> Nina Simone made a song about it. Sure. But I mean, you know, Fruitvale Station, you know, Oscar Grant was shot in California by the cops. I mean, there's things happening all over in many different places. It's not just Mississippi. But 
when you look at the population, they've got like 3 million African-Americans living there. And I'm like, we're kind of ignoring that population. And I was thinking how amazing it would be if all of them had passports. But then I was thinking, but why does it have to even just be the black folks? Because the white folks there need it too. I think the Rich, average, poor, whatever. A lot of them haven't left the state. Exactly. And, and to think what kind of healing can begin when people know what the world is like and know their place in the world and know that they belong in the world. That is one of the missions of Fly Brother. And it's especially both the show and our transformational lifestyle brands, which trips, which would include trips and workshops, retreats, coaching, merchandise, AR and, and VR guides and, and all kinds of ways of interact or interacting a membership community. Um, the idea is to show people that they belong in the world. And so that's kind of, you know, what I think is that stop travel shaming people, everybody, <laughs> and make sure the people in your life have passports. Ask your folks, ask your friends, ask your little cousin, do you have a passport? And if not, help them get one. Yeah. And then help them to see how it can be used, not as like a freaking uh, cup holder. (laughs) Coaster. Right, coaster. (laughs) (laughs) I think it like beer koozie or whatever. You know what I mean. I know what you meant. (laughs) Did, uh, was there, uh, let's get to the food. Why not that? Okay. (laughs) Fruity You say you're not a big foodie. But is there? Do you have a weakness for anything when you're traveling? Um, I enjoy curry. Okay. Um, Thai or Indian? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of on the salad. I don't know, man. I'm (laughs) I'm not a foodie, dude. This is not a good. You never had uh, any food poisonings, anything like that? Not really. We've been lucky. I mean, I've I've I, I. feel like i might have had in cuba one new year's sure kind of thing uh i did have food poisoning in tajikistan the moment mm. i left dushan bay the capital for the countryside when i was updating a guidebook and they only had squat toilets which i was not accustomed to using. oh yeah so the idea of trying to not get debris on your shoe <laughs> was harrowing and also humbling. <laughs> what is? I have not talked to anybody on here. I think that been to Tajikistan. Why? How? And where? And why? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So I ended up there because a friend of a friend who was working for a guidebook company needed someone to help to update the guidebook to Tajikistan. Okay, which is one of the titles she had originated. Now there, you do not blend it. Correct. <laughs> I'll tell you what they thought in a second. Oh, no. Uh, and so they they needed someone who could go for a month, who could go right away, and who had guidebook experience. And okay. I had ticked all those boxes. And I heard there were people who were upset. It was like, oh, he doesn't speak, you know, he doesn't know anything about uh, Tajikistan or whatever. I didn't. And I was like, that makes me perfect for this guidebook. <laughs> because if you speak Russian or Tajik, you're going to be having experiences that people who don't speak that language are can't have. Yeah. And that's not helpful. You're like the audience who would buy the guide. Correct. And so (laughs) I would know how to get around and and, and what to put in the guide to help people who are not speakers of those languages. That said, I mean, the people are so wonderful. They don't do a lot of smiling because they were explaining (laughs) to me that- A little too much Russian in them. Well, I was going to say in that Soviet (laughs) sphere, you know, they they don't don't smile. That simple-headed, empty-headed American, uh, you know, ditziness. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, smile. Uh, what my Why mom do you would smile? say. There's nothing to smile about. Why exactly. Are you insane? As my mother would call, skinning and grinning. <laughs> and uh, so that said, I mean, just they're very heart centered. I mean, really. I'm not generalizing, I know, but um, the people that I would encounter would be very interested and 
ask questions and, and would be very welcoming and made sure that, I, you know, we were eating and, and, and were taken care of. And it was explained to me that that's what happens when you're, you know, in a harsh environment in that part of the world. People traveled the Silk Road for thousands of years. And sometimes if you didn't give someone a piece of bread, they you ended up seeing finding them frozen yeah. down the road, <laughs> right. you know, and um places like Tajikistan and and Georgia and some of these other um countries were on this they were right in the middle between east and west for thousands of years on the silk road and then they all of a sudden became far flung places on the edge of like the russian empire yeah. you know and so the cultures that mixed there thousands of years ago you see it in the faces of the people who have all kind the phenotypes are just striking and beautiful because they're mixes of all these different places and at the same time they've been so isolated for the last two or three hundred years um and so that's kind of what's amazing about the place and then also tajikistan just has these striking mountain vistas and uh, i've never seen so many beautiful shades of brown before you turn a <laughs> corner and just like a so a different a moonscape and a marscape and a you know a neptunescape like <laughs> it was it was incredible for me as a floridian and i've traveled a lot and been to mountainous places but i've never seen such variety of landscape in a country the size of wisconsin how did you get by without knowing the language and how um, so go? a lot of like uh, uh, rudimentary English mm -hmm. and finding people who did speak English and there, there were enough. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's English around. Um, and then pointing and, and, and gesturing. And I do remember that there was a guy, an older man, he had his tuki, which is a toki, which is a hat. Um, and he got into a shared taxi with me and was asking the driver about me. And I was just perceiving this because he was asking him in Tajik. And I remember hearing journalist, which is the word mm -hmm. they use. And um, I was going to a small town to see if the one hotel that was listed in the guidebook was still open. And apparently there was no hotel there. Now, that's what I perceive. There might have been a hotel there, but he was like, <laughs> you're staying with me. Oh, wow. And I ended up, and again, no English at all. I ended up staying with him. I found out that he'd been in the Russian army. He traveled to Moscow and some other places. He was like pointing to places in my the, the guidebook that I was updating. It was just an incredible experience. The next day, he took pictures of me in his Tajik coat, which was fl <laughs> super fly. Designs had flower, you know, interior like mushrooms. Oh wow! <laughs> like mushrooms from coming to America. <laughs> um, the and, and it was his first time like using a smartphone, like trying to take a picture. Oh, and okay. I just his finger was in the shot a couple of times, <laughs> but then he ended up getting it right. And this, he had to be in his fifties late 50s and then like also walking around he's well known in the town and he was introducing me to people and everyone put their uh, all the men crossed their hearts kind of and did a little bow oh they put their their right hand over their on their left shoulder kind of or left chest left breast <laughs> and um it was such a touching experience oh, that's great and so that was you know one of that that's one of the favorite my favorite countries in the world. Wow. Make for a good TV show. Yeah, I'm 100%. not going to, we're not going to drop uh, the countries. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I don't know. That's, that's how that happened. And I spent a month there updating this guidebook. And wow. was it so the summer, while I was at least? there, it was, it was fall. 
So it was starting to get okay. cold. And th- a lot of people thought that I was a Brazilian MMA fighter oh. because of my size and build and because they have several Tajik MMA fighters. Oh, they've right. seen Brazilian MMA fighters. And so that was the easiest phenotype to slot me in. Okay. Um, so that's not bad. I mean, I uh, can see it. I get, I get it. Right. Uh, so that was that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Less chance to mess with you then. That's true. That's true. And a couple of people might have thought I was Arabian. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe. The yeah. Southern, I mean, Oman, Yemen. Yeah. yeah. I could fit. I haven't been there either. Yeah. I still, uh, North Africa is my, I haven't been to Egypt or Morocco. Oh, wow. Those are the high on my list. Sure. Both wonderful places. Okay. You've been. Yes, I have. All right. Um, oh, well, I know we got to get going. So um, give people your, this social media that you've been avoiding so yes, much. We're gonna, yes, yes, Where can people find you? You can find me on many different platforms. On Instagram, the s- series account is Fly Brother, F-L-Y-B-R-O-T-H-E-R. Easy to remember. Yes. My personal Instagram account is Ernest White, I-I-E-R-N-E-S-T. White, like the color. White. I-I, the second. Sure. The second. Uh, yes. On Facebook, it's uh, Fly Brother fan page is facebook.com slash Fly Brother Fly. <laughs> There's also Ernest White, too which is a Facebook fan page yeah. as well. And then I've got two websites. My personal website is ErnestWhite2.com and the Fly Brother page or website is <laughs> FlyBrother.net. See, I'm that, Boy, I'm you're from that generation of saying page. Yeah, my right. My web page. Web page on this, uh, the worldwide intraweb. <laughs> exactly. WWW. Yeah. Um, so finally, what do you think all this uh, travel and, and all you've seen, how has it changed you as a person? And how do you how does it change the way you look at the world and and other people? Oh man. So I would say that for me traveling has has expanded on lessons that I learned as a kid from my my parents, my family, my community that we all just want to be seen and empowered and loved. I remember again going to Disney World as a kid and seeing my parents who grew up in segregation in Jacksonville um, interact with people, engage with people, have conversations. They're Southern. I mean, Southerners mm. talk to their neighbors, and it didn't matter what they looked like. And I was that behavior was modeled for me. And so I never, while yes, I was aware of institutional racism and and other things, and maybe even some personal things that might have happened, I still always was able to see human beings as human beings and the our diversity as the beauty of of the variety of life right um and so to go out into the world and see that to go into the world and to have the same kinds of conversations about the same kinds of things love music um finance uh you know dreams and opportunities fears and really sometimes those conversations were had in through the, 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 a barrier of language, but we still had them. That, for me, has just really given me a reason to live and to, to live in the world. And I want everyone to have had that experience, to have that feeling. That's great. Did your parents ever join you on any of these trips? Yes, I've taken them to some of my favorite spots. I, the next trip will be South Africa. I would love to get them down there, but I did take them to... That might hit some memories, like some spots and, you know... You know. 
growing up. Well, I mean, my my mother's 81. My dad is 73. And they have lots of memories of lots of things. And they have been pretty forward thinking. So when we go there, we're going to be enjoying the beauty, the views. the long flight. It is a very long flight. So I'm trying to do it where they're up front. Yeah, and I'm up front Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. That, I wouldn't drag them around the world and coach. No. <laughs> and I know that might sound pretentious, but I mean, I'm willing to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, know, I mean, when you got this big TV money rolling in now. Right, know. on PBS. <laughs> I, got, I receive that, Mike. I receive. <laughs> Thank you. Your mouth to that's right. the Lord above. That's our ears. tax dollars there, going to a good cause. <laughs> tax dollars at work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this. This was great. Thank you, Mike. Thanks I really so I enjoyed it. Thank you. It was very nice much. to meet you. Likewise. Ernest White, everybody. The second. The second. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.